Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of BFS Podcast. Today, what we'll be talking about is it's kind of be it's going to be a Q and A. Um, I, I receive and I don't have any kind of format where you know I can t- bring questions in. Um, you know, while I'm streaming this episode, so. I, but I am getting questions in the gym, and I asked those people if I could use their questions, you know, in my episode, and they're like, yeah, so these are what I'm going to use as my Q&A. So, first question I got, what can I do to get a bigger bench? Well, let's talk about this. Let's pretend that you've got good bench form because I, I don't really know if you did or not. But look, we're going to pretend there's nothing wrong with your form. You're doing everything right. All you have to do is look at what we can do to help him build strength within his upper body. And I asked him... You know, well, what, where are you feeling weak? Are you feeling weak in your triceps? Are you feeling weak in your chest? You know, are you struggling more getting out of the hole? Are you struggling more? Are you hitting a wall while you're progressing upwards? Like, what, what where are you struggling most? I'm, and he said, I'm struggling most when I'm, I hit a wall like halfway through pushing pushing the press or p- pressing upwards right so I told him easy pen press start where you're at that halfway point where you hit that wall and just load the weight on and work on pressing that up from there from that point that will get you unstuck <laughs> But for for uh, the audience, because some of you might be experiencing the same problem, and I acknowledge that, I'm going to talk about it from, hmm, I'm going to talk about it from all points of view. If you're struggling in the hole, again, pen press. Pin press will help you get it off of your chest. It in a pin press is when you set the safety the safety bars on the rack at the level where the weight is in starting at that position in which you are seeing the most trouble. So if you're having a problem being explosive, well, I'll cover explosive uh, explosiveness here in a second. But if you're having trouble getting the bar off your chest when you're maxing, then set those safeties up where that bar is flush with your chest. You know, get under there, you know, and work on pressing from that from that point, from that base. Press from the chest instead of taking it off the rack or traversing downward and then pressing cut out the traversing downwards 
and just start from the base. Obviously, after you've done your main movement. This is a supplemental lift. If your problems are with your um I I I guess I could look at it from this way. Um if that's your problem is getting it off your chest, then yes, work on that pin press from that point. But also work on your explosiveness during your dynamic days or during your days where you're hitting more for reps than you really are working for weight. Right? So these would be your five by five days. Really work on getting down to that point at like 70% of your max and just being super explosive with it. Super, and when I say explosive, I mean by the time you hit your chest, you are pushing that thing through with all your force. What can help with this is what helps with explosiveness is, um, I don't really know how to say it. I guess a deload where you start at a pretty maximal weight. Not 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 so much to where it's your actual max, but like I'd say if you're working on being explosive within your bench press, I'd say start with start with 80% of your max on the bar. And for two sets, I I would advise hitting it for two or three reps. And I want you being super explosive, right? And then, um, work downwards. So work down to like a 75%. Because you're deloading the bar now. You're deloading the weight that's on the bar. So you should be getting faster and faster the lower you go. Right? Another way this could help is reverse band tension. Where you hang the band at the top of the rack instead of the bottom. And you put it on the weight. Because what it does is it helps support the weight that's there right and by the time you get the bar down to your chin or chin your chest and you have that band on there that band is ready to help you shoot that thing up right because the more tension on that band it, think of it like a slingshot right the farther back you pull a slingshot the faster it's gonna go once you release it. So if I'm holding a slingshot in my hand and I pull it back to my elbow crease, it's it's I'm gonna let go and it's not gonna go very fast. But if I grab it and take it all the way to my shoulder, 
and I expand it and take it all the way to my shoulder, it's going to go even faster. So that's what that band is doing. The band is the the ball within the slingshot. The farther it goes, the more stretched it gets, the faster it's going to come up. That can help. Or if you don't have access to retention bands, um, then you could, if you're working out with a buddy, have them get the bar off the rack for you and have them help you with it on your traverse down where they're, where you're not holding the same amount of weight that's on that bar. He's helping, he or she is helping you get it to your chest and then they disengage and you try to shoot it up as fast as you can. That's another big way you could do it. Um, but yeah, your deload sets are gonna gonna help you with your speed, your bar speed. So what I advise is I advise so for example, right? Let's say eighty percent of my max is two hundred seven two hundred and eighty pounds. I would start at two eighty and then go down by tens. So start at two eighty, do my first set. Okay, do my second set at 280. Okay, now I'm going to bump down by 10 pounds, go to 270. Then I'm going to do two sets there. I'm going to do two sets at 260. And then I'm going to do two sets at 250. Once, once I hit 250, I'm going to work my way back up and try to maintain the same speed. same bar speed sorry so that'll help um, and then another thing you could do is um, another thing that could be a problem is unsteadiness with the bar right or another thing that I see is some people you can definitely see which side is stronger you know which arm is stronger because the bar is kind of slanted when they're pressing a lot of that has to do with form but a good way to help fix that when it comes to sh when it comes to being a pure strength problem is if you are if 80% of my max is I don't know let's say it's a uh, hundred fifty pounds well what's a hundred and fifty divided by two Seventy-five, right? Sorry, I just had to do that on the calculator. <laughs> I'm bad at math, but seventy-five, right? So if your max, or if your eight, the eighty percent of your max is one hundred and fifty pounds, then go grab the seventy-five pound dumbbells. Get on, get, grab a bench, and work on 
getting that 80% of your max and pressing because what it does is it equally balances it splits that it splits that number in two and puts an equal load in each hand so that can help too your dumbbell presses will help so what can I do to get a bigger bench that question um, if you're doing everything right and you're not feeling weak anywhere and you're just seeing you're finding that what you're doing within your program isn't working for you then these are the three lifts that you should be hitting on top of your main lift that I'm gonna I'm gonna give to you floor press a pin press and a close grip and you could even throw in an incline incline bench press um, or even a decline so there's five lifts that will help you if you use them as supplemental lifts so as soon if you've got a five by five bench press day, um, then do do like a close grip at you know and do that five by five as well. And then the next day you hit it, don't hit a close grip. Hit like a floor press or a pen press those are things that I use I use the close grip I use the pen press I use the floor press and I use the incline press but the only ones that I use I don't use the incline press too much with a straight bar I do that with dumbbells and then my floor press I'll do with dumbbells and straight bar just depending on the week um, so but those are the motions those are the lifts that I hit that help tremendously so take that if you're looking for a bigger bench work that into your workout um, and hopefully you see improvements moving on to the next question What's the most you have put on your total in the shortest amount of time? Whoo. So this one, this one took me. I didn't do the math beforehand, so you might have to bear with me. So I count this, but I, I kind of like, I count this, but at the same time, there's a lot wrong with my form when I did this. And I've went down in weight to fix that form. So this was kind of like I put a lot of amount, I put a lot of weight on my total, but it wouldn't have counted in competition. So I guess gym PR wise, when it comes to putting weight on total, um, this let me figure it out. So in February 2019, I started at a total. of let's see
So anyway, February 2019, I started at 11.70. And then within five months, I took 11.70 to 13.09, right? So if I do the math... Sorry, I'm doing the math presently, so So I went up two hundred and thirty nine pounds in five months. Fast forward to September because February two thousand nineteen to to or 2020 I should say sorry 2022 July of 2020 was five months right yeah so five months and then and then August um, I was at uh, fourteen ninety five. So minus one. So this is seven months. So let me do the math so I can get a straight answer for you guys. So, anyway, so my total in the span of five months went from uh, 11, seven, or 1170 to a 1309, which was 239 pounds in five months. Two months on top of that. I put on um I finally hit 1495 almost 1500 and so in 7 months it went up 325 pounds in 7 months so the shortest amount of time where I put on the most weight is um I'm going to say just by eyeballing it it took me I'm going to say that 5 month period where I went from cuz I put on 239 pounds <sighs> yeah, definitely. Cuz when it it took me 2 months to put on 186 pounds on my total. So, 
And then it took me five months to put 239 on my total. So either way it goes. In the span of seven months, which is half of a year and one month, um, I put on a total of 325 pounds um, onto my total. Now keep in mind, I was deadlifting with straps and I was using double ply knee wraps when, when I was squatting and I didn't have proper discipline bench form, you know, I was bouncing off my chest. So. But either way, gains are, I'm going to sit here and say gains are gains. You know, for a gym PR, I'm not going to get into, oh, well, you know, did I treat it like a competition? Obviously not. You don't go in and work out and treat it like it's a competition. So, 325 pounds in seven months. Um, that's, that's quite a bit. A lot of guys, you know, that are up there in weight struggle to put 100 pounds on their total in a year. So... I take pride in that at the same time it's it's uncredited because it wasn't done in competition so it's not written down I guess it's not written written into stone so um but yeah that's the most amount of weight I've put on my total in the shortest amount of time So moving on from that one, that one was a sh was a good. Qu I mean, it was a good question for those of you that are curious people. Um, but like, I'm not gonna spend too much time on that one. Um, how should I squat? Um, how should you squat? That's that's a hard one. Because, one, I'm not there to help you, like, physically. And I don't know what their squat form looked like. Um, the guy who asked me this, um, you know, I watched him a little bit. And I told him, I said, I said it's just something you have to tinker around with. And he's not going to be here long enough for me to help him. Because he leaves and goes to his next unit in a few weeks. So I just told him, I said, something you got to tinker around with. And if you can find a coach wherever you go next, have him help you. But to answer the question without trying to find a way around answering the question. Um, if you squat conventional and it doesn't feel good, then... Without looking at your form, I advise you to try to widen your stance more, more into a ultra-wide sumo stance. Not necessarily ultra-wide, but closer to a sumo stance. And work on doing it like that. Um, if, if that feels worse than conventionally squatting with that narrow stance then go back to that narrow stance. Now we're looking at something where we have to adjust your form. 
So if you don't, one thing that helps a lot of people are pointing your toes outwards. Um, that helps pointing your toes outwards so your knees, when you when you go and perform the squat motion, are canted outwards instead of inwards when you have your point or your toes pointed straight. Um, another thing is is if you're hinging, um, if you're hinging. And when I say hinge, I mean when you're bending, like if you're bending your back whatsoever, um, when you go to squat conventional, you need to have your toes pointed outwards, right? And really keep that arch in your back and keep your back as straight as possible until you hit that point of which now you're working on hitting proper depth and then you can tend to keep that back straight keep that chest up with that arch in your back but you can tend to lean forward a little more and then squat down lower in correlation it's something you'll have to work with i know it's it's very hard to explain um verbally um but keep that chest up keep that arch in your back and work on work on hinging so you can go a little bit lower not hinging so much to where you're about to break your back um because there is a gray area there is a fine line you know when bending your back is bad and therefore makes your form look bad but um best advice i can give you on if you're going to conventional squat is since I have no graphics with these episodes go out there and watch a YouTube video on how a guy conventionally squats properly um, and try to get in front of a mirror and practice the same motion so moving on from that's a good question uh, sorry I can't help more but gotta move on to the next question what's better conventional or sumo deadlift who so this has been an ongoing war in the most recent um, recent battles when it comes to sumo is easier than you know all that crap um i i personally i conventionally deadlift just because i don't have enough i don't have enough glutes <laughs> i don't have an ass so i conventional deadlift because it's easier for me um because i can use my legs my quads and my hamstrings um, to get the weight far enough to where I can lock out with my hips and perform the motion. I have tried sumo. Sumo deadlifting for me is hard because I struggle 
when I'm keeping my arms inward of my leg, inwards inside my legs. So I'm relying a lot more on my lower back um, when it comes to f finishing. So, and it just feels way heavier than what it, it would conventional. So I, I prefer conventional, but in all honesty, it's, it's good to be good at both because if you're a competitor um, and you you get hurt, I know a lot of guys that get hurt pulling conventional will switch it up to sumo. And when they make that switch to sumo, they're allowed to fight through the injury and get through the competition in total. So it is good to do both, but I don't do both. And when it comes to what's better, conventional or sumo, it just depends what's more comfortable to you. Is it more comfortable to sumo or is it more comfortable to conventional? Um, if you're a conventional deadlifter and you haven't tried sumo, try sumo. You might be more successful sumo deadlifting than you are conventional. Um, if you and vice versa if you sumo and you haven't tried conventional who knows you might be better at doing conventional so it's really one of the th one of those things that you need to test out on your own and just try try to um see which one fits you um I will say with sumo, it's a little bit harder to keep your back straight um, and not necessarily hover over the bar. It's hard for me as opposed to conventional deadlifting because you have your legs are spread out farther. So when you try to sit back, like it, it makes it a little harder for you to sit back. So. I don't know, <laughs> um, but no single no single deadlift way of deadlifting is better than the other, and I'm not gonna sit here and fight one over the other. It takes for me since I don't sumo and sumo's my hardest. It takes a special person to sumo deadlift a lot because I could not sumo deadlift the same amount. Is somebody if I tried to sumo deadlift it so I don't get into that argument it's equally as hard so that's a good question I'd say in your off time or not in your off time but in your workout time just play around with it and see which one you succeed more in um, next question What's your favorite lift? Me personally, my favorite lift, the lift I love to do. And this is a hard one because I, I like all my lifts equally, right? I don't dread doing a leg day. I don't, you know, there are some days I do dread leg days. There are some days I dread having to do bench press. 
really an unfair question, you know. Which one do I like competing, like doing while I'm in comp more? Which one do I get more excited for? Again, I like them all equally. So, if I had to pick the one that I'm probably the best at, I've always been a good uh, a good bench press uh, lifter. Um because I've been able to change how I do bench press and work my way back up so many different times um, with the adjustments that I make to my form and the way I bench press. Um, so I see a lot of success in the bench press arena. Um, over the whole entire time that I've ever lifted, the most success I've seen is the bench press. So I would have to say that that one's the one that I'm the most, I'd say, better at. Um, I like the deadlift, and I like to squat. I would say if I had to pick the one that I enjoy doing the most, when it comes to frequency, because there are days that I don't want to do any of it, um, frequently, I like to bench press. I'm okay with bench pressing. Um, even on my bad days, I'm good at bench pressing. So, I'd have to say that one's my favorite bench or my favorite lift. But they're all my favorite lift. It's it's unfair for you to ask that question. Uh, and I'm not necessarily talking to somebody in the audience, but the person who asked me, he's like, what's your favorite thing to do? And I was like, uh, I was like, well, what, how much can you bench press? Uh, I can only do, you know, 300. Oh, well, I can do 315. So three, <laughs> my bench press is my favorite. How much can you bench press? 330 pounds. How much can you squat? Uh, 400. Okay, well, squat's my favorite because I beat you in that. I got 470. <laughs> That's, like, it's one of those things where I value each and every lift equal to one another. Um, there's no lift that I prioritize over the other because they all need to be strong. Um, they need to be, they all need to be pretty decent in weight. So, and especially in competition, you can't say, oh, well, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna beat the bench, you know. It's better to be like, oh, well, I won in all three categories, and then that makes me the automatic, automatic winner by default because I totaled more than anybody at that meet. So, anyway, that's my favorite lift. Lifting is my favorite lift there. <laughs> um, and then, next question, what do you think on isometric movements? 
Isometric movement. <sighs> Isometric move movements. Isometric movements are great for strength, but I think they hold more of a valued place when it comes to bodybuilding. Because isometric movements give you that fatigue, tiredness to where you're pushing the limit of everything. So, I'll use isometric movements every once in a while, but I won't use them all the time. Um, and I'll use them more weight-based than endurance-based. But isometric movements are really more for, in my opinion, are more for bodybuilders. And the reason why is because after you do 10 sets at a weight that's pretty comfortable for you to do 10 sets at, but you're doing 10 sets of 20. And then on that last set, you know, your 10th set, when, when you, after you're 19, you're going to hit your 20th rep. And then you're going to sit there and you're going to hold that rep. No matter what you're doing. You could be doing a, a seated row. You could be doing um, a hack squat. And you're just going to hold it. You know. Halfway through the rep. That is to get your muscles to stick. To flex. To flex and to get your muscles to flex while holding that certain amount of weight. And you're kind of letting that weight sit there on you. Or you're trying to hold that weight and just be like, let's see how long I can hold it before finishing. You know. I think they're sort of dangerous. Especially if you're doing isometrics by yourself and you don't have people to be there for you. In case you bail out when you're doing that pause rep or that hold, whatever it might be. Um, but there is there is a value to it with strength because if you hold that weight there for a few seconds and then do your last rep, um, that last rep might have felt easy if you wouldn't have done that isometric movement. But... Now it feels hard because you held it there for so long. So when it comes to it has a benefit in strength, it, it definitely helps you finish. I, I'll say that. It builds endurance within the muscle, which is always good. Um, do I think it's needed for strength training? Yes, but not as much as people like to say or think that it's needed. Um... It really just depends. Um, and really, like, a max out could end up being an isometric movement if you're really trying to push. You know, how many times do you see a guy go to max out on deadlift and he's holding it there at the kneecap level for, like, 30 seconds and then finally locks out or drops it? You know, that's a, that's an isometric, you know? So, 
my opinion on isometric movement. If you see value to it and it, it's working very well for you, then you, by all means use it. But if it's not really providing a lot, I'm not saying to completely do away with it. But try not to do the isometric movements so much. So really save them for your hard, your really super hard days. Um, that's my advice. And then next question I got in the gym would be how much do you oh how much do you increase in your sets? Like if the set calls for like a 277, will you try to get 277 or will you round up to 280? Answer 280. I will go 280 all the time because 277 will include me putting 5s, 2.5s, and your 1.2s, 1.25s on the bar. Um, at that point, you might as well just round up. You know, if to me, it's more so, you know, you're going to take more time gathering that weight, that's, that micro weight, than you would just slapping another 5 or 10 on there. Um, I think 2.5 increases really don't matter unless you are maxing or PRing or if you're competing. So there's the answer to that question. Uh, next question. Um, would you rather lift in the morning or would you rather lift at night? I prefer lifting at night. I've always been that kind of evening, later in the day kind of lifter. Um, even when I had early morning weights class, I tried it for a week. And, um, you know, usually your guidance counselors give you a week before you can change everything. And I did it for a week, and then I went to my guidance counselor. And I was like, no, nah, I need to have it later on in the day, like after lunch or right before lunch but preferably after lunch or one class, you know, after lunch. So, always preferred lifting at night. Will I go in in the mornings? Yes. With me working, will I go in the mornings? Absolutely, because they don't have a 24-hour gym. And if I'm on the closing shift, guess what? Can't use the gym if I'm working, you know. So, um, but if it was up to me, I'd be working out, and I had the means to do it, I'd be working out at night. Okay, next question. What are your favorite times to lift, like seasonally? I enjoy lifting in the wintertime way more than I do in the summertime, and that's just because... I'm a person who prefers the cold over the heat. That's just the way I am. Um, that's a pretty simple, plain, cut and dry answer. Um, won't really dig into that one, but there's your answer. Next question. How much pre-workout do you use? Hoo-hoo. 
How much pre-workout do you use? Do you consider caffeine intake as pre-workout? Like, throughout the day, caffeine intake. Because if you do, then that means, like, there will be times where I have two, two bangs, you know, five hours before taking my scoop of pre-workout and working out. Um, uh, before, before I got back into lifting, um, like when I was on an, a routine, like a few months ago, before I took that four month break, I was doing double dry scoops pre-workout. Um, I was doing a lot of pre-workout and I noticed that it was making me sick whenever I was doing high intensity stuff. You know, my heart rate would get up and I'd get sick and I'd feel like absolute trash. So this time around I bumped it down to one scoop of pre-workout and I do better. I'm not as wired but um, I, I don't get sick and I'm able to finish the workout without throwing up so to me that's a that's a plus so um, pre-workout I think people <laughs> I see it all the time with these TikTok challenges and it's really starting to piss me off or I see videos this is what happened to this dude's liver when he had you know five energy drinks within one hour stop <laughs> like value your life <laughs> um but like two two scoops of pre-workout okay you know but if you're doing three four and you're not doing like and you're not equally spreading them out within your workout like and if you have a long ass workout, then there's no need for it. Take the pre-workout when you get to the gym. Give it about 15 minutes. It'll start working. And if it doesn't, then you're probably on some trash Walmart brand pre-workout. I use Nitroflex. Nitroflex works very well for me. Um, and I like it. And it's been good to me. So, um, yeah, I use Nitroflex. I see guys using the animal brand. I used animal brand for a long time. That shit, that was good. I like that. Um, Total War. I did Total War. And it would get me wired, but it had a lot of beta alien in it. And I like beta alien. I like feeling that itchy craziness. But other than that it really didn't improve my drive or my focus so I didn't really like that as much so but then I switched to Nitroflex Nitroflex has good good amounts of beta alien in it and it keeps me focused and wired throughout the whole entire workout it keeps me good for about two and a half hours so and usually I'm in the gym for two hours three hours so um, so it works. It's it's good for me and it works for me. So um I think that pre-workout's important especially for those of us who 
work throughout the day and then go to the gym at night or have to get early get up early in the morning to work out um it helps but there's no reason that you need to be overdoing it so um just make sure you're taking as much as it says you can take on the bottle and you'll be good so next question uh, I think I have two more questions this will be the second to last next question what kind of brand do you use when it comes to wrist wraps knee wraps um, competition singlet stuff like that I'm a, that's the question um, so I've used multiple brands when it comes to wrist wraps and knee wraps um, I started off using Harbinger which is sold at your local sporting goods stores you know it's a pretty um, popular brand within you know when it comes to going to a store and physically walking out with wraps um, I used the knee wraps and I used the wrist wraps if I was gonna rate them based upon wraps that I've used I'm gonna rate these probably I'm gonna give these a solid 7 out of 10 just because they were easy access and they worked pretty well for being store-bought <laughs> on a military post that doesn't necessarily have a sporting goods store but just a general um, PX exchange store so um, they were they were easy they're accessible and they, they offered good support um, but they did lose their elasticity very fast so um, it kind of got to the point where I was just wrapping a very strong stretched out piece of cloth around my um, wrists and my knees so um, I've used Cerberus knee wraps before um, the Cerberus knee wraps double ply those things if you're if you're lifting double ply like if you're lifting double ply these things are gold you know they are super thick super stretchy um, hard to stretch so might need somebody to help you wrap up when you do it but though that was a good brand um, I really enjoyed using those so um, I give those knee wraps a solid 10 out of 10 the well actually I'll give them a 9 out of 10 I'm gonna knock them one because they're not legal for competition and raw um, I they might make service might make a legal competition raw wrap um, I'm sure they probably do but these ones um, they were nice <laughs> but I 
couldn't use them in comp, and that's my only problem with them. So, but they get a 9 out of 10. I even give them 9.9 .9 out of 10, you know, just because it's just a small thing. I can't use them in comp. Um, wrist straps that I used while I was using the Cerberus wraps. Um, I used the, it's, it's a brand called Bear Grips. And they had a very thick, stretchy wrist wrap that I liked using for a long time. Um, and those, those are probably the best wrist straps I've ever used. But, again, couldn't use them in competition. So, 9 out of 10 for both of those. And then... I just got a pair of Inzer Dynamics Atomic Knee Wraps and Atomic Wrist Wraps, and those get the gold. Um, they get the 10 out of 10. Um, Inzer Dynamics, one of the best um, equipment brands when it comes to strength training and powerlifting out there in my eyes. Um, the only thing about the Atomics is they kind of rub your skin raw if you're constantly taking them off and putting them back on like I do. And they have this rubber material on the inside that helps it keep its bind around your joint, um, which is good, but it also tears up your skin and it hurts. But other than that, you know, 10 out of 10. And I use an Inzer Dynamics singlet. Um, no ply, just a regular Inzer Dynamics singlet. And that singlet fits to my body very well. And I like it. And I've had no problems with it. So, yep. If, if I was to tell you what brand is the best to use for... Um, when it comes to wraps and equipment, I'd say go Inzer, Inzer Dynamics. Second to last question here, um, what kind of belt do you use? I use the um, Strength Shop belt, lever action belt, and it's got a suede material on the outside and I think it's I can't remember the thickness I think it's like 13 millimeters um, super great belt has multiple configurations to adjust it in case I gain or lose some weight um, and and it doesn't pop open on me so yeah um, when it comes to, I've used Rogue belts, the Ohio belt. Um, that was okay. I liked it. It was it was decent belt, but I made my switch over to lever action, and the lever action just feels better on my on my body and and provides a, a greater tightness. So I'd say. If you're trying to go the cheap route, get you a one prong um, 
rogue belt um not that it's a cheap brand but if you're not like a serious power lifter and you're just looking for a nice decent quality belt go rogue get online go look at the rogue belts get order one if you need one for competition i advise using the lever action belts from strength shop and then we have finally come to the last question um <laughs> what no I'm sorry not what why powerlifting who this man out here exposing me um why powerlifting for me Powerlifting is a cold, cut, and dry competition of strength. And this wasn't the original question. This was, well, if you're trying, because I got into the conversation with this guy about, you know, functional fitness versus powerlifting. You know, functional fitness is supposed to make movements typical, um, reoccurring um, situations within your day-to-day -day life it it's supposed to strengthen you for those example lifting a heavy box above your head to put it on a shelf so and then I told him I was like well you know so anyway why powerlifting Powerlifting, I've always been that kind of guy that when I discovered what I wanted to be, I, I always said I want to be strong, right? I want to be a strong individual. I look at, you know, powerlifting versus strongman versus bodybuilding versus CrossFit versus functional fitness. Power and Olympic lifting. Powerlifting is the best comparison to strength that I've seen, right? And this isn't to knock on people who do strongman or Olympic style lifting. But that strongman is more endurance based. It's like, it's like a marathon of strength. Who can be strong for the longest amount of time? Olympic lifting is more technique. It's not so much, can you lift this over your head? It's, can you get under this bar? Can you lift it enough to where you can get under it and then stand up with it? And then you have power lifting, which is, how much can you lift with proper form? So, why powerlifting? I've always wanted to be a, a strong dude. I'm not going to sit here and say I always wanted to be the strongest dude to ever live. Because that's an, uh, that's an unachievable goal. 
there will always be somebody out there that is stronger than you. You might be the strongest dude to ever live for 100 years, but guess what? Somebody's going to come around at year 101 and beat your record. So, I, myself, decided after strength training in high school that powerlifting was the way to go. And the reason why is because everything you do in the fitness world has a negative effect on you later on in life. No matter if you're a runner, no matter if you're a lifter, no matter if, you know, you're a functional fitness guy, kind of guy, kind of person, no matter what it is, it's going to have a negative effect on you later on in life. Runners, their joints and their shins, you know. Lifters, you know, again, joints, back, shoulders, everything you can think of. So, I don't like talking about the negative effects that it will have on you later in life because everything will have a negative effect on you later on in life because that's a part of getting old. Getting older is the negative effect of living life. But there are things that we can do to mitigate deterioration whilst getting older. Um, so, again, circling back around. Why powerlifting? Because I would rather sit here and be a big person, you know, that's on the side of, you know, being called fat or obese but be stronger than the person that's sitting there in front of me calling me obese that's skinny and weak. I'd rather be stronger than that person. Because at the end of the day, how many people do you see sitting there making fun of skinny guys or what would be called in-shape people? How many people do you see making fun of people that are in shape? Nobody makes fun of people that are in shape. How many people do you see make fun of people that are fat? A lot. But if I take, if I decided to say, hey, yeah, you're bashing on me for being overweight. That's cool. Let's go to the gym. And I throw 300 pounds in his arm for a bench press and it crushes his weight, I get the last laugh. Because it's like, I can do this for four reps. And you can't even hold it in your hands. Now, that's a very big egotistical thing, and it's toxic. I understand that, but that's the example I'm trying to say, is everybody judges the book off of its cover. It never opens the book and reads the book and asks the book questions about what the book does or what the book is about. So, for and this is directed towards my big guys. Um, if you are one of those guys that go to school or walk into your workplace and you get make, made fun of for being fat or big, 
and you lift heavy weights, just ignore them, bro. Just think in the back of your mind that this dude could probably not even grasp the concept of how much weight you can lift. And that's what powerlifting has been for me. Um, you know, I got bullied in high school for being big. I got bullied in middle school for being big. And when I got to high school, I started lifting. And obviously, there are more people that were in the weight room, you know, taking that class. And they'd get out of class and they'd, they'd say, oh, Antrop just lifted this, this, and this. People stopped making fun of me. And it was kind of my... It wasn't that thing that was like that got me to fit in. It, it got me that recognition that I so wanted. It wasn't about that. It was the fact that lifting changed other people's minds, right? If I can't change their mind, then nothing. Then you know, if I can't change their mind on what they think about me, you know, then there's only one thing to do, and that's stop caring what other people think. But even when people started being nice to me, I didn't care. <laughs> you know, oh, two weeks ago, you were calling me a fat ass. You know, so lifting was that, was that thing that says, okay, well, this is what I'm good at as a person. This is what I'm good at, and this is what I like doing. And... It helped me accept myself, you know, and it helped. It was kind of like a friend that told me to ignore all those people. And that's why, you know, that's the answer to that question. Why powerlifting? Because powerlifting was, was there for me. And it didn't have to be, but it was. So... Um, but when it comes to the aspect of what makes it better than doing all this other stuff, powerlifting, you know, the result of a competition, there's a total. And in that total, it shows how much weight was lifted out of the three lifts, you know. So, it's like going to the store and picking out all these items and then going to the cash register and all these items individually cost something, but all, all of it added up is $100. So, all of me added up is worth whatever my total is in pounds. That's all of the force that I'm able to produce on all platforms, all three platforms. That total is a representation of your strength. So, I was able to put, if I'm able to total 1,500 pounds, then, and I'm at a competition, I was able to put 300 or 1500 pounds of pressure of weight on my body and lift it.
so anyway um and what makes that different from strongman is and this is not to take anything away from strongman strongman is a very um it's a sport that takes a lot of strength but it also takes a lot of endurance with that strength So, with the endurance of that strength, you know, it's more so a race and how long can you go lifting this amount of weight than it is, you know, can you bench press 900 pounds? You know, it's more so, hey, we have five stones. One of them's 50 kg, the other one's 100 kg, the other one's 200 kg, the other, you know, and, the, and you have to lift them up onto these platforms, and each one goes higher and higher, and the weight increases. So that's a lot of cardio, and that's a lot of weight. Put it together, that's a lot. But there's no, it's who did it in the fastest amount of time, that's the victor. Who did more reps than the other person? That's the victor. I think the only event that they do within strong... One of the only events that they do in strongman that is, hey, how much can you lift, is the deadlift, you know? And Eddie Hall and Half Thor, they fucking... They can deadlift thousands... They can deadlift a thousand pounds plus... They've both broken the record, you know, so, and even Brian Shaw broke the record too, so, it's just one of those things where it's like, you know, one out of a complete day, it's more of a marathon, it's, it's more of a marathon than it is a, a lifting meet, a display of strength, it's a marathon of strength, not a display, so, you know, now, if I look at Olympic lifting, a lot of that isn't strength, it's technique. It does take strength to hold that bar, to hold that weight in your hands, but it's also technique and form, you know. So, powerlifting to me is the utmost cut and dry display of strength and that's the kind of competition that I want to be doing so that's why powerlifting and that's the last question um, I'm going to wrap it up now um, thank you guys for listening I'm going to try and do more of these if I get more questions um, and then hopefully I'm able sometime you know, later on down the road, I'm able to develop, you know, videos or, you know, where there's graphics involved and um, where I can have, when I can go live with a podcast and have you guys write in um, questions that I can answer during the podcast. Um, that's something that I'd really like to do. But as of right now, I got, we got to work with 
you know, like I said before, I'm doing this with a phone and a gaming headset, so it's really, I don't have the means to be able to do what I want to do, so anyway, thank you guys for stopping and listening, I hope through some of these questions, um, you are able to find answers, um, and maybe find a new perspective, um, and in all in all, if you didn't get any of that, I hope this episode entertained you, so, anyway, I'm gonna cut it off here, as always, live strong, get strong, keep grinding, y'all have a good one.